Welcome to All Things Beer, a Pat's Pints Mark's Mugs podcast. I'm Pat Woodward. And I'm Mark Richards. Each month, we are joined by brewers, enthusiasts, and friends to explore the techniques, the culture, and the history of mankind's best invention. So grab a beer and join us as we discover a world of all things beer. Good afternoon, Mark. Top of the afternoon to you, Patrick. I'm pretty excited about this month's show. Me too. We've been wanting to do this for a long time. I mean, we're no stranger to a blind taste test. That's right. This show has been in the active planning stages for months, I would say, because today we're going to do the great Pilsner taste off. One really cool thing is we're going to involve you, the listeners, this time, where you can join along as we taste through these beers. We're going to be totally blind the whole time until the big reveal, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And we both love a good Pilsner, don't we? You can't go wrong. And you know, this podcast right here shows why I choose a mug. <laughs> and I choose and a pint. And you choose a pint because a Pilsner mug, dimpled or otherwise, full of crispy Pilsner is right up my alley. And in the middle of the summer, where we're at right now, it's perfect beer. Well, let's start by saying, like, what is the difference between a Pilsner and other lagers, right? Like, a lot of beers are called Pilsner. Does that mean that your Coors Banquet beer is a Pilsner, or the Budweiser is a Pilsner, or the Heineken is a Pilsner? Well, yeah, maybe you could call it a Pilsner style. I'd more call those a premium lager. All Pilsners are lagers, but not all lagers are Pilsners. Exactly. So I think some of the things that set Pilsners apart from other lagers well, one, they're going to be all malt, and the malt is going to be either entirely or totally dominated by Pilsner malt. And then the other thing that sets Pilsner apart, they're going to be more bitter and more hoppy than your average lager. You get that nice bite at the end of hops that makes you want to go back and get another sip. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's a big part of the crispiness of the beer, isn't it? That it's got that bitterness at the end of the drink, and it really keeps you coming back. Can't come back enough. <laughs> That's right. Well, we're going to test that today because we've got a field of 10 Pilsners that we're going to put up against one another. But before we get to the field, let's talk a little bit about the different substyles of Pilsners based on, you know, the country of origin, really. There's a reason it's called the Pilsner because it was born in Pilsen. And the beer that was born there, what's that beer called? That would be Pilsner Urkel. And Urkel just means the original. Yeah, And it is. It is the original. That's where all the Pilsners come from. So let's start our tour of the world of Pilsners with the Czech Pilsner. Starting with the Czech Pilsner, a lot of the Pilsners we talk about are going to be a little on the drier side today. But this is one where there's still a good amount of malt that's mm -hmm. evident in it. It's got a great body and mouthfeel. Maybe not as crispy as some of the other Pilsners in that regard, but still, you want a nice, bright white, billowy, staying head. Your beer is just going to be yellow to gold. Does my heart good to know <laughs> it's not going to be hazy. This is going to be a brilliantly clear beer. It's going to be very balanced, too. There's still yeah. going to be that hoppiness. You're still going to have the aroma of hops along with the malt and a bitter finish to it. Yeah. I think a couple of the things that differentiate the Czech Pilsner from the German Pilsner that we're going to talk about in a minute in terms of ingredients and process, you know, one of the things we talked about, the more complex malt bill, maybe even very subtle hints of caramel in some cases, 
And I think that comes from this tradition in the Czech Republic of decoction mashing. Exactly. So for everybody who doesn't know what that means, it's when you're doing the mash and you're extracting the sugars, you'll take some of the mash and you'll heat it up to boiling and you'll boil it. And that leads to some caramelization of the malts, right? It also makes a more round, full kind of complexity to that malt. It richens it up, Mm -hmm. really. Absolutely. And then the other thing that sometimes people talk about is a little bit more integrated bitterness, not quite as sharp a bitterness as a German Pilsner. And I think part of that comes from the fact that the water in Pilsen and in the Czech Republic in general is very soft. As we get into German Pilsner now, that's going to get us a more bitter beer. And water is one reason, and also the dryness is the other. Yeah, when we talk about the German Pilsner, which I would say is at the other end of the continuum, a couple of important differences is you would expect a higher level of attenuation. So that means it's going to be a little drier. Especially as you move north in Germany, you'll get more minerals in the water, and that's going to accentuate the hop bitterness a little bit. I guess another thing that is different is, in some ways, although they're all noble hops, the nature of most of the German hops is a little bit different than the Sotz hops, which are really a hallmark of the Czech Pilsners. So the Sotz, it's a little bit unique, so it's hard to compare it to other things, but I think you'll get more spiciness, whereas some of the German hops, like your Hallertauer or your Spalt, are going to be more flowery, more herbal. I was drinking the other day a Bitburger next to a Pilsner Urkel, and the Bitburger, it really did have a flowery hop character. I mean, it's almost perfumey in the sense of, you know, how floral it was. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, and that's different than the spiciness I was getting from the hops in the Pilsner Urkel. Sure, sure. And man, when it doesn't have that accentuated malt backbone, too, it's such a different beer. Yeah, it really does change things. And as we'll see when we talk about the beers in the field, you're going to more commonly run into German-style pilsners in the U.S., I think, than Czech pilsners. It might be instructive to look at what it says in the BJCP. I'm just going to pull out one sentence. It says, the German pils will be lighter in body and color, drier, crisper, more fully attenuated, with more lingering bitterness and higher carbonation. Crisper, in a way, but not as complex in the malts. That's going to take us to our next one, which is the New Zealand pilsner. And this is truly a bridge between the two of those. As it relates to body, it's not going to be quite as crisp as the German, not quite as dry, but yet it's not going to be as full-bodied as maybe a Pilsner Kell would be. So another huge difference on the New Zealand Pilsner is the choice of hops. And that's going to change a lot of the aromatics. You're going to bring a lot of like melon, citrus in the realm of lime, grapefruit, tropical fruit. You're going to have a little more of a myriad of hop aromas and flavors that you would not encounter in more of those noble hops we previously mentioned. Haziness is going to be a fault, which is great. New Zealand Pilsner is kind of new as a style here in the U.S. in the last few years. Really fun to have a couple of those side Mm -hmm. by side with the Pilsners we're drinking today. Well, and it might be worth saying that the kinds of New Zealand hops that find their way into some of these New Zealand Pilsners 
a lot of them are actually descendant from things like Sats hops or the noble hops that were then bred with native hops in uh, Australia and New Zealand. And these take on kind of characteristics that you would anticipate out of a New Zealand like Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. wine. These are going to be real fruit forward. Right. You know, when we had Dan Schaefer on a, a couple of episodes ago and we were talking about hops that emulate certain fruits, and when I asked him about limes, you know, he said, oh, absolutely Motuika, which is a hop that you might find in a New Zealand Pilsner. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's finish up with the fourth substyle of Pilsner, and we're not going to have one of these in the show because they're pretty hard to find. Not a lot of them made here in Ohio, but that would be the Italian Pilsner which is maybe a little older than the New Zealand Pilsner, but of course still up, it's a 21st century invention. And so the idea of this is unlike the New Zealand Pilsner, which was, you know, specifically a New Zealand Pilsner because you're using New Zealand hops in it. This is not because they're using Italian hops in it. So it's kind of modeled on one of the really important early Italian Pilsners, a beer called Topo Pils by Birifico Italiano. Just to kind of sum it up, It's a recipe very much like a German Pilsner, so it's not going to have the sort of rich malt character of a Pilsner or Kell, but it's going to be fermented slightly warmer, and that'll add just a subtle touch of fruity esters, and there's usually also some dry hopping, which is something that's generally not done with German Pilsners. So the idea is that you're going to have something that's just a little fruitier, just a little bit more complex than a German Pilsner, not as bitter and as dry. So, you know, in some ways, it's just another beer that's on the continuum between the Czech pills and the German pills in my mind. Yeah. And all the examples I've had are American versions. I've never tried an Italian Italian Pilsner in my life. But as a little one-off here and there, a lot of breweries are doing them. And I enjoy them because I enjoy that crispiness and I do enjoy a little bit of hops. Actually, I've tried to find uh, the Topo Pils uh, multiple times, and I've always come up short. Even when I went to Italy, uh, I was there at the wrong time of year. So Birifico Italiano was making, you know, uh, box and not Pilsner. Anyway, that's our little tutorial on the different substyles of Pilsners. And so now I think it's probably time to move on to just introduce the beers in the field real briefly. Now, Mark, we've got five local beers in the tasting today. What beers are we going to be drinking today? Well, there are some pretty good Pilsners made at multiple breweries here in town, but I don't think we could drink all of them or we would probably never get to the end of this recording. Starting with the Gollum Czech Pils from Gemut Beer Garden, such a wonderful place and such a well-intended place of German beers here in town. If you haven't been, check them out. CBC Pils, and this is one we've been enjoying here in town for a while now, off the side pour in the tap room and a 0.4 liter dimpled mug, just the way the good Lord intended. Uh, A local favorite for sure. Next on the list, we've got another brewery that brews quite a few German styles, and one that we've had as a guest previously on the podcast, Victor Isimovich, brewing Edison Patent Pills, and that's at Edison Brewing over in Gehanna, Ohio, a suburb of Columbus. Then we've got a couple of New Zealand pills, am I correct? We do, and one that really rings true to my heart, and I am near and dear to, Land Grant's Pool Party. Boy, have I ever drank a lot of this over the last (laughs) few years, Pat. 
I'd be interested to see if you pick it out, and I would be shocked if you couldn't pick it out in a blind tasting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it will be really interesting to see how it stands up against these other Pilsners. Yeah. But I love it so much. So another New Zealand Pilsner we've got here making an appearance for summer, North High Best Mate New Zealand Pilsner from North High Brewing here in Columbus. Well, I think it's good to have a couple of New Zealand Pilsners in the contest just so Pool Party doesn't, you know, stand out in a way. That's right. And we tried to diversify our portfolio a little bit here. Yeah. Now let's get out of Ohio a little bit, Pat. Yeah, we wanted to pick some beers that were not uber local because we know not everybody who listens to the show lives in Columbus. And so I'm going to start with a longtime favorite of mine, and I think yours and, and many people, that would be the Victories. Prima Pills. One of the earliest hoppy pills made here in the States that I became acquainted with. So it's been around for a while. It definitely has. And, and it really kind of stands out as a showcase for the noble hops. The next one is another long running Pilsner, and that would be Lager of the Lakes by Bell's Brewing. This is a Bohemian Pilsner. Staying with the theme of classic beers that have been around for quite a while, Scrimshaw Pilsner from North Coast Brewing out in California. Long time go-to. A real summer crusher. Then we're going to go with a couple that might not be as well-known to people. So there's a brewery in Missoula, Montana called Bayern Brewing. Bayern being the name for Bavaria. And why is there a, a brewery in Montana that's called Bayern Brewing? It's because the brewmaster there, a guy named Jürgen Noller, is from Bavaria. And he started this brewery in 1987. I stopped through on the way traveling up to Glacier Park, and it was just an excellent Pilsner, you know, on tap. And so, you know, I've got high hopes for this one. Thanks for muling that back for us, Pat. Happy to do it. And then rounding out the field, we've got one that was actually included on a suggestion from Kerry Hall, formerly of Lineage Brewing, on our Instagram account. He said, hey, if you want to get a beer that's like the Rothaus Tanzenapfel, which is a great German beer, but we're not including any imported beers here. He said you might check out the Dry Hop Pills by Perennial Artisanales in St. Louis, a German-style Pilsner, but unlike a beer in Germany, it's dry hopped, which is unusual. Now let's talk about the judges. We're going to start with Mark and myself because, of course, we're not going to let anybody else take our role of judges on such a great lineup of beers. But we wanted to give everyone a little, like, window into what each person thinks about Pilsners. So here's a couple questions for you, Mark. What is your idea of an ideal Pilsner? My preference normally leads me to a line between the Czech Pilsner and the German Pils. Uh, bitter pills is what I'm looking for, but I don't want to completely lose the fact that there's malt in there. I want to be able to get both in the aroma. I don't want it completely buried by the hops. And especially in this time of the year, I would definitely say today my goal is to have a beer that is most pleasing to me because summer calls for crispy. What is your best memory of drinking a Pilsner? Oh, man. I've had a lot of memories based around drinking Pilsners. And I've lost a lot of memories based around <laughs> drinking Pilsners. I think you can probably attest to both of those, <laughs> yes. Pat. Probably the one that stands out the most in my mind is drinking an unfiltered Pilsner Kell out of the oak lagering casks in the historical cellars of Pilsner Kell Brewery in the Czech Republic in Pilsen. Oh, yeah. Nothing that, like it. 
That is an amazing memory. And we were not together, but I, I've also done that. And, you know, it's hard to top that. It's hard to forget that one for yeah. sure. I mean, in the original, in the birthplace, the fountainhead, that's a way to do it. But here's another question. What kind of flaws really kind of kill it for you in a Pilsner? What are the fatal things that really drop a Pilsner out of the elite category? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's kind of an interesting thing to think since we're not necessarily judging to style, but to three styles. Because some of these, an example, like for a Czech Bohemian style Pilsner, a touch of diacetyl is okay. Right. A touch of caramel is okay. A slight amount of fruity esters, okay. German pills, you know, it's going to be drier and hoppier than the Czech Pilsner. It's probably not going to have fruity esters. Moving on to New Zealand, I think we already talked when we were describing these. We're going to have a lot of other aromatics that are going to be very fruity. Also, you could have a touch of DMS and, and would be okay. Again, not hazy, you know. And while we're on the subject of that, what is the deal with the hazy Pilsner, Pat? I see a Breckenridge hazy Pilsner on the shelves. <laughs> uh, are we going to have a new style like the hazy IPA here in a few years where now everyone's going to be trying to muddy up their Pilsner? Well, I think you described the one acceptable hazy Pilsner, the one you get in the lagering caves below Pilsner or Kell. But I just assume we don't replicate that everywhere. But that's straight out of a fermentation vessel. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, I don't know. We're not going to explain all of the trends in the brewing industry in this show. But I think a crystal clear Pilsner is a good thing. Oh, yeah. So back at you as a judge, Pat, judge number two now, I guess, will be introducing three and four momentarily. What is your ideal Pilsner? I think the ideal Pilsner needs to have both exceptional malt and hop character. And I think they need to be in balance. I don't mind if it leans a little bit on the hop forward direction. I like it to finish crisp and clean. And I know you need bitterness to do that. But I also don't want to have a lot of lingering bitterness. You know, I just want it to finish clean. And it's like, okay, my mouth is dry and I'm ready for another drink. Oh, yeah. And when I think of crisp, I think of multiple things that I want to happen. And a crisp finish means it's finished. Yeah. I mean, I think you mentioned somewhere between the Czech and the German Pilsner. Sometimes a Czech Pilsner could be a little crisper in the finish. Sure. Sometimes a German Pilsner has a little too much lingering bitterness for me. So my ideal Pilsner is kind of somewhere in between those two. I expect my Pilsner to be reasonably high in carbonation, and that adds a carbonic bite that helps make it crisp, and it also gets the hop aromatics up into your nose, and it should have a nice rich head. No doubt. Uh, how about your best Pilsner memory? Well, I could talk about the one that you already talked about, but I've got another one that I think is, for me, not quite as special a place, but maybe even a better beer. And that is a beer that I had in Dresden, Germany, and I've had this beer multiple times. There's a brewery there called Watzki, and it is an unfiltered, slightly hazy Pilsner that just is redolent with these noble hops. All right. So, awesome. So I know we were talking about they shouldn't be hazy, but it's kind of like a Keller beer, I think, in the sense that it's very freshly poured, but it just has such an amazing hop quality that for me, it's the best Pilsner I've ever had in the world. Damn it, Pat. You're making me want to go there and try it. So what do you say we introduce our guests or should I say judges for the Pilsner challenge? Judge number three is going to be Jamie Gentry. He is a recurring podcast guest. 
avid home brewer and handsome guy all the way around. Face for a podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're happy to have you back, Jamie. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, excited e- to be here. Even though, as we were just mentioning, there may not be as much talk of metal bands in the show, I think your love of German lagers is going to come in very handy. The podcast ain't over yet, is it? Not over yet. <laughs> we'll work it in. Rounding out the panel, friend of the podcast and a man who brewed a pretty tasty Pilsner already this year, Mr. Hans Gorsuch. I'm here, ready to do some drinking. Right on, right on. Now, this is going to be a totally blind test for all the judges here, one through four. We also have joining us today, stewarding, good friend, avid, all things beer listener, Columbus Beer Adventure Guide, and today's Master of Ceremonies, the Reverend Ralph Wolf. It's a pleasure to be with you, fellas. I live to serve your beer needs. (laughs) Well, we've got a lot of them today, so we're glad you're here, Pastor Ralph. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. Okay. Now, just to let all of the listeners in on kind of like where you're coming from as a judge, Jamie, what would be the characteristics in your ideal Pilsner? Ideal Pilsner for me, you know, I love a frothy white head on a Pilsner. I think it looks great. Really, one of the things I love most about beer in general is I love a malty flavor. And with a really good Pilsner, a little bit of a breadiness, not a burnt, crusty bread, but more like a white bread. I really think that is a Pilsner that appeals to me. Do you have a memory of like a Pilsner that was just perfect? Well, you know, it's probably a, you know, going out to Denver to Beerstad. Understanding it's a slow pour pills, but I'm there just wedged in between people kind of waiting and you know I get my wife's beer and I take it back and I'm still waiting and I'm waiting and it comes and it's got the little doily around the uh the stem of the glass and uh excellent beer experience and just a beautiful facility so everything about that experience was great. Oh yeah. Well, I have to say actually I had that experience one week ago today. I was flying through Denver and there was some bad weather and you know long story short we got stuck overnight in Denver. We were able to visit Bierstadt before I left Denver. And yeah, fantastic beer. Last question. You know the beers that are in the field. Are there any that stand out to you as you know being the favorites? Well, I think I'm really interested in this because a couple of them in the field are maybe go-to type pilsners, but I've never really stacked them up against the other beers in the field. I might be surprised today is what I'm thinking. You know, the land-grant pool party is one that is the go-to because it's easy, it's readily available, and... You can grab a six pack of it. Columbus Brewing Company. And when I go to the tap room, you know, I get a Pilsner because it, it tastes great. It looks great, but I'm looking forward to see how it holds up the competition here. You guys know beer is all about marketing and how you feel about something and what you connect to it. So I'm really looking forward to stripping all that away and maybe finding a new go to. Yeah. All you get your sensory today. So it will be interesting for all of us. Now, Hans, what are you looking for today for your ideal Pilsner? Yeah, I like Pilsner as a style, so that's a good place to start. I want to stick my nose in the glass. I want to get some immediate grain character, and then also some noble hop character, some grassiness or spiciness, some herbal character. It's an austere kind of beer, right? It's a bare-bones thing. It's like, here are the raw ingredients in maybe their best iteration, right? And so I want to get a subtle and complex malt and then i want that punctuation at the end which 
in um, at least European and old world standards is a strong hop bitterness as a period at the end of the sentence. And for me, that's the Pilsner. So if somebody hands me a glass and doesn't tell me what the beer is and, and I have those experiences, I might be inclined to be like, ah, this is a good iteration of a Pilsner. Yeah, definitely. So how about Pilsner memory? I had the opportunity to go to Prague several years ago and I wanted to seek out one of the handful of bars in Prague that has Tankovna, so has um, beer delivered straight from Pilsner Urquell in tanker trucks and it's then pumped into a tank in the pub. And the tank in the pub has a membrane even in there so there's no interaction with air during this exchange process. It's literally pumped into a bag inside of the tank. And then you're served straight from the tank. So it came from the brewery in a tanker truck, pumped like diesel fuel, you know, into a tank inside the pub and then poured for you. So no bottle, no can, no keg. This is how it's delivered to certain bars. It was a wildly different experience than having uh, one of those beers out of a can here. Like, it was so fresh and spicy and aromatic compared to what we get on this end. And so that's one of my favorites. Oh, for sure. Aside from getting it at the brewery itself, that is the best experience you can get for Pilsner Cal, without question. So, yeah, if only we had that here in the U.S., it'd be great. For listeners that may want to back catalog on us, One thing to note, if you want to hear us talk to Hans a little bit more about Pilsners, go back to episode 14, and we talk all about visiting Pilsner Kell and getting the original Pilsner straight from the source. So Hans, would you say you have any predictions on the outcome today? It's a little out of context, or too much in context, to start tasting a bunch of beers all back to back. It's like not your normal drinking experience, right? Just from that standpoint, it's super hard to make a guess. I imagine we didn't choose any bad beers on this list, right? And so by definition, like we're already at a certain level. If the criteria is both how to style is this beer and then how to my liking of that style is this beer, that's a complex thing to kind of uh, guess what all of our opinions might be. So Um, The proof's in the pudding on this, I guess, right? Yeah, it'll be fun. There was a moment where I thought, as I have each sample, try to guess which one it was, or like, oh, maybe I'd be able to recognize that right away. But I think in this, you just want to free your mind, let the sensory do its job, and we'll find out in the end when Ralph lets us know. Yeah, I'm getting thirsty. Ralph, are you ready to pour our first beer? We're going to leave the room. I am ready. To lead off, our judges are trying Pool Party Pilsner, a New Zealand-style Pilsner from Land Grant Brewing Company here in Columbus, Ohio. Let's go in and see what they have to say about it. Okay, well, it looks like everybody is done with their first round. Uh, Mark, what did you think of Sample A? Well, I got to tell you, it's kind of difficult to know where to start on this. Uh, I would say on Aroma. My first impression was a bready, crackery, kind of a grassy, floral, slight amount of citrus, kind of leaning into the lime vein of citrus fruit. Bright AF, that means and fine. Perfect white head. Carbonation was right. Pale gold, I mean, as you would expect. I think these are going to be the same descriptors we use time and time again. 
It was a nice balance between maltiness and hop bitterness for Pilsner, I thought. There was a really nice kind of, I know it wasn't quite a period at the end of the sentence, as Hans would say. There was a slight lingering bitterness that just made me kind of want to go back and get another sip. I could drink this all day, no question. And if I had one thing to say, I wouldn't have minded just a touch more malt complexity. Sounds good. All right, Pat, what did you think? I think it's interesting what you said about the aroma. I thought it had a nice malt aroma. It had a little more sweetness in the aroma than I might have associated with the Pilsner. And I was thinking that I also get this citrus note, almost something like lime. And so I was thinking, well, this maybe is one of the New Zealand Pilsners. But when I drank it in the flavor, that was more subtle. I mean, I would almost call the hop flavors, I'm putting herbal, grassy, maybe just the slightest hint of citrus. And a nice spiciness, too. So for me, there was a bitterness and a spiciness that kind of lingered. So everything you said, I had very similar notes on it. Yeah. I got the spiciness as well. On the aroma, I, I wrote it down as more of a sweetness. And I just wonder if that's that lime vein you're picking up on. Yeah. I mean, it could be almost a perceived sweetness. I will say when you drink it, I don't think it was too sweet in the flavor at all. You know, one of the things, if this does turn out to be a New Zealand Pilsner, what I like about it is that, you know, it is recognizably a Pilsner in the European sense with just some highlights. From a mouthfeel perspective, I really feel like the carbonation was really nice on it to that last sip, still bubbly, still had a nice carb that I feel like in very poorly done Pilsners that I've made, you don't get that in that last sip or two. So I thought that was nice. So in the aroma... Lemon peel, floral and lemon peel, just to reiterate uh, what you guys said. Um, so I was getting the same thing. And as far as Mark, you said that lingering bitterness, I wrote those exact words too, that that bitterness lingered on longer at the end. Mm -hmm. um, but not too much. No, not at all. Not in an unpleasant way at all. Also, to agree with what you said, Mark, um, under overall impression, I wrote a little more grain character would be beneficial in this beer, which is, was exactly your thing. And then the only adjective I think I have to contribute that you all didn't um, already point out was in the mouthfeel, there was a creaminess to me. It didn't feel thin to me, even though its appearance was straw and clear and all that. It didn't feel thin. It actually had, to me, a creamy mouthfeel. So um, it seems like we had some similar experiences. Yeah. You know, one thing I'll say, Hans, I'm looking at my notes on mouthfeel and I said, light-bodied but not thin. Yeah, so I agree with you 100% on that. Well, Ralph, to me, it sounds like four guys that have drank a few Pilsner in their time. What it sounds like, are you ready for your second? Let's keep it rolling. Let's go. Okay. The second beer our judges are trying is from Bell's Brewing in Kalamazoo, Michigan, the state up north. It's called Lager of the Lakes. This is a Pilsner made in the tradition of Czech Pilsners. I wonder what the judges think about it. Our judges have finished their second sample, sample B. So let's turn to Pat, hear what he has to say about sample B. Okay, thanks, Ralph. Well, I think it's kind of instructive to describe these beers in terms of how they are similar and different from one another. I think there's going to be a lot of similarities. For example, in the appearance... I think it would be hard to tell this beer from the last beer. They're both light golden, excellent clarity, nice head. But I think when I got to the nose, I can talk about some of the differences. The first thing I noticed in the aroma was it seemed less sweet. 
And also the hop character expressed itself differently. I didn't get that lemon, lime, citrus kind of note, but instead, I, it's a little hard for me to describe it, but I would kind of chalk it down as being somewhat herbal. Then when I went to taste it, once again, I was immediately struck by, all right, this is less sweet. This is more attenuated than the last beer. This is going to be drier and crisper. The hop flavor didn't jump out to me, but it was just kind of classic, a little bit herbal, maybe a little grassy, maybe a little bit spicy. It's a really nice balance, I thought, between the malt and the hops and a very clean fermentation character. I mean, no yeast esters or sulfur that I could pick up on. Uh, definitely enough bitterness to let you know this is a Pilsner you're drinking. The mouthfeel and the finish kind of, I have the same words for them, crisp, dry, light-bodied, you know, very clean. If I could ask for anything more, I might like to see just a little more expressiveness from the hops. But overall, I thought this was a great example of a build. Great. What do you think, Jamie? My first reaction was, I don't think my nose is working right now. <laughs> I had to really had to really had to sniff to pull something out. I'd got some bitterness up front, but it didn't seem like there was much on the back end of it. I will say that, you know, I have this comment, it's definitely not as aromatic as the first beer. Well, Hans? Very first thing I wrote was less aromatic hops. Something in the nose, you said herbal, and I was edging towards vegetal in the nose. For whatever reason, that's what I was getting out of the aroma. And also maybe a, I felt a, there was a little sourness in the nose as well. You know, Hans, just to interject there, I was back and forth a couple times on grassy, which kind of goes yeah. in that direction of what you're saying with the kind of green vegetal character. Totally. For some reason, I felt this one wasn't as dry as the previous one, so we had a different experience on that one. I put this one as a slightly less attenuated, but slightly higher carbonated. So I don't know if that agrees with or disagrees with your all experience of it. Yeah. Certainly a different beer than the first one on a lot of levels. Mark, what do you think? Uh, you know, on aroma, I've got cereal, grain, bready aroma, not a ton of hop aroma. Hey, again... Easy peasy. Great Pilsner. Absolutely. Okay. Well, let me get your uh, third sample ready, and we'll taste them next. The third sample is from Gamut Beer Garden here in Columbus, Ohio. It's called Golem Czech Pils. Golem won a bronze medal in the German Pils category at the 2021 Great American Beer Festival. Let's see what the guys have to say about this beer. All right. As we move around the table, we... Uh, come to this third sample of Pilsner. And uh, Jamie, why don't you share some of your insights on your tasting? I really enjoyed it. To look at it when it first hit the table was not typically what I thought would be a Pilsner that grabs me right away. You know, it, it was very light, pale color, not much of a head on it. You know, when I got into the aroma, a good hop aroma. And then I liked that. It was a nice balance of hop and malt. But it had a... Uh, like a malty straw flavor to it that I really liked. Body is super thin and the carbonation almost made it sort of hot on your tongue, really bubbly, which could be off-putting for some folks. I, I do like it in a beer, uh, especially this style of beer. I kind of would like another. Yeah, Jamie, on my notes, I had prickly carbonation. I Perfect. wrote exactly that. I wrote prickly front of tongue carbonation. Wow. <laughs> and I liked that a lot. I also wrote the word straw twice both in the aroma, but also in the appearance. So it was a super pale. 
Additionally, we didn't mention super clear. It wasn't just pale in color, but it was very, very clear. So yeah, uh, the things I wrote down totally agree with your impression as well. Yeah, being a bit of a novice judge, I'm trying to draw a line between you know describing what I'm tasting, but also what I'm enjoying. And this beer seemed to strike a balance very well with me. That's always the question, right? When you're drinking beer and judging, am I judging it to the style or what I like to drink? So yeah, thanks for that. Mark, do you have anything more to share about that one? I really had a hard time getting away from the lack of any visual head whatsoever on a beer. And I think that kind of spoiled my impression of this beer all the way through to the finish. Again, not a real standout, discernible hop character. At one point, I started kind of trying to pin it to like a fruit rind or something, which wasn't necessarily fruity, but it wasn't bad. I drink it all day. It's an enjoyable, very light Pilsner. I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. I mean, I think it's a very easy drinking beer. But on the other hand, I didn't like it as well as the first two. And basically, it just kind of comes down. One of the things you said, Mark, is I'd like to have a little bit more recognizable hop character. I wasn't getting really a lot of hop flavor or aroma out of it. And it also didn't have what you were talking about before we started judging, Hans, the front, middle, and end. It was really kind of very at the same level across the whole sip. And there's a little bit of lingering sweetness, which I think I'm going to have to ding for a Pilsner if it has that. But again, you're trying to pick a beer you're liking. Yeah. And also to note, Pat, although I said I enjoyed it, it's my lowest scoring beer so far today. Yeah, I think I would just like a little bit more, you know, hop character for lack mm-hmm. of anything else. And You know, it is a little interesting to think about the carbonation. I didn't pick up on this one being more highly carbonated, but why then wasn't there the head retention, you know? So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it was a very good beer. But at some point we have to say, I like this one better than the other one. And and I didn't like this one as well as the first two. I mean, this is what we did. That's why we're here. We're trying to pick a winner. So we've got to be critical. Very good. Well, uh, I think in the words of one of the uh, local football coaches, you can't have a fifth sample without having a fourth sample. So we're going to have a fourth sample next, right? Fair enough. (laughs) Sample D, or number four, this is brewed at Perennial Artisan Ales in St. Louis, Missouri. The Perennial Dry Hopped Pills, which is an unfiltered dry hopped pilsner made with German malts and tetanang and sapphire hops. Okay, well, we've just finished the uh, beer in the cleanup position, number four. Hans, what do you have to say about this fourth sample? So if one of our criticisms of the previous beer was we wanted a little more hop aroma, this beer uh, gave that to us for sure. There's actually a lot going on here with hop aroma. Not a single note, but some complex things. Now, how to describe that hop aroma? I, I was a little perplexed. I was getting like some other like not noble hop, not German hop kinds of aromas that I couldn't put my finger on, frankly, and hopefully you guys have the appearance of this beer. It was another very light, straw-colored beer, very clear again, and the head on it was thin and maybe looks more like soap bubbles. It certainly had hop bitterness, but I wouldn't say that hop bitterness was a strong thing that happened at the end of the tasting experience. Like I wanted more malt backbone, um, Carbonation was fine. A previous beer we described as creamy, and I would not describe this beer that way as far as the the mouthfeel of it. Like, it wasn't in that category at all. So I'm interested to hear your guys' impressions because I had a harder time 
placing the spear and, and identifying details about it than some of the others. My initial impression on the aroma was faint apple. I don't think as a flaw, I think just of interesting fruit note to it. You know, a bit of bread, but again, like you said, not that much malt character. As the glass warmed up and I was getting a little bit more of the aroma, I was picking up something a little bit more on the floral herbal side, but again, I couldn't pinpoint it. I think I liked it better as I had more, but I really didn't know what to think of it when I first sat down to it. I would agree with what your last statement was that it took a little while for me to wrap my head around this beer. And I'm afraid I can't help out that much more with the aroma, but I would agree with something that both of you said that this one was probably more hop forward than malt forward. Having said that, when I got into the taste, I would actually describe the finish I was getting at the end kind of like a lemon tea. It had kind of almost a tea note and, and maybe something a little bit in the citrus vein and a, a nice spiciness. And for me, I thought the bitterness was perfect. What do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I, I think compared to the last beer, it's very hot forward, but it really overtook the flavor of the beer, I, I felt like. And then there was a lingering aftertaste to it. And I think the lemon tea is a good descriptor. I really enjoyed it, though. I, I did really like it. I mean, I think with that hop flavor, if we were to make an amalgamation of all that we just said, that there was a little bit of an herbal element to it and a little bit of a fruity note to it. Exactly how all of our brains interpreted that was a little bit different, I think. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear your comments and me knowing what the beers are and kind of knowing some of the reasons behind those comments. So, yeah, thanks. All right. Well, let's get ready for beer number five then. The fifth sample comes from Edison Brewing which is located in Gahanna, Ohio, a nearby suburb of Columbus. Edison Patent Pills is modeled after a Bavarian Pilsner, which in turn is also modeled after a traditional Czech Pilsner. Let's see how the guys like this one. Okay, well, we're starting through the batting order again on this fifth sample, so let's go to Mark, see what he's got to say about this uh, fifth sample. Well, I think if we were wanting malt... This is a very malt-driven aroma. I'd even say possibly a decocta mash. I mean, it's got a really rich complexity to it, and that breadiness might also be the richest in color so far. I mean, I kind of saw this as a little more rich gold, which kind of speaks to the Czech style. When I tasted it, you know, I got a lot of that malt. You know, it comes to a halt with a little bit of bitterness in the finish, but not overwhelming, and the hops kind of showed themselves as I drank more, just like the last, I kind of had to get into the glass a little bit and I was getting a little bit more hop to it. But definitely the fullest body we've had today, full for style, but not if it is a Czech style and uh, strong, clean bitterness. Great, Pat. Yeah, I would just echo everything you just said. I mean, it's definitely in the Czech tradition, more malts in the aroma, more malts in the flavor. Could almost get just a hint of caramel which kind of speaks to the malt richness of this beer. So really, really nice malts. A little hard to really identify the hops. Not as spicy as like some of the previous beers, um, which kind of makes me wonder because I normally think of that spiciness going with the Sots hops. Yeah, I more or less, my notes sound just like what you said. Perfect. All right, Jamie, what would you think? Again, it speaks to sort of my personal preference for a malty beer. I, I wondered about decoction as well. Luckily, there was some hops to pull it back so it wasn't overly sweet. Yeah, I think maybe one thing that should be said after we've all said how malty it is, I have to say it still finished 
pretty clean and pretty dry. I mean, I would not confuse this with an Oktoberfest or, or even a Hellas. It's at the malty end of the spectrum for a Pilsner, I would say. All right, Hans, anything new to add to that? I wrote good malt backbone, and I wrote not bone dry. And all three of those things, if we were to point to a style, I think if somebody likes a Czech Pilsner, it might satisfy them for those reasons. Bairn Brewing Company from Missoula, Montana, provides the next sample, the Bairn Pilsner. Bairn Brewing Company was founded by German expat Jürgen Noller, in 1987. Let's go to the judges to hear their thoughts on this beer. All right. We're uh, starting the second half of this tasting. And uh, Pat, won't you share your thoughts on this beer? Okay, Ralph. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is that this beer is a departure from what we had in the several leading up to it, at least to my palate. I don't know if my nose is broken, but it's getting harder for me as we go through here to really pick out the subtleties in the aroma. But what I was getting in the aroma was kind of neutral bready. I will say at the very end, I got something that seemed a little bit crackery. But then again, that just might have been some of the saltines that I hadn't like scraped off the back of my teeth, you know, that we've been eating in between beers. (laughs) But anyway, definitely, you know, it had a nice malt sweetness, kind of neutral. But the hop character was subtle and fruity. Maybe there was a little melon in there, maybe even a little bit of lime. I would be surprised if this is not one of the New Zealand Pilsners. I'll just say that, and I might be wrong, and that'll be great for the tape if I'm off base. But that's what it tasted like to me, and that's how I'm judging it. You know, it had a, a clean finish. So, you know, overall, I found it to be a very pleasant, easy drinking beer, good summer crusher for sure. And just, you know, the nature of the hop character, which leaned a little bit in the fruity direction, and the restrained bitterness, you know, made me think this was one of the New Zealand Pilsners. All right. Well, Jamie, what are your thoughts on it? I I, I think I'm having the same nose issues. Uh, but the uh, the flavor, though, there was a like a fruity hop characteristic that almost veered into candy type of. Uh, I hesitate to use candy because it wasn't that far into that area, but it, there was a fruitiness to it. I, I felt like overtook the beer. Hans, are you thinking uh, Southern Hemisphere, or what are your thoughts on this beer? Honestly, when I stuck my nose in this glass, my nose said this is German. Like, there's a metallic nature to German beers, not just Pilsners, but like other German beers, you get this metallic thing that happens. And I wrote metallic, I wrote hay, and I wrote German. So something you said, Pat, that I totally agree with. My finished overall impression of the beer was this is a drinkable good beer. Like, and you said that, and like that, that was my end result on it. It was like, oh, it's well balanced. It's got lots of things going on. And really, that was my takeaway from it that totally resonates with what you said, even if we have a different experience on the top end of the, of the beer. Yeah, I could drink this beer all day. On the aroma, my notes say green grape and bread. So that was where I was getting that fruitiness. I was almost like I, you know, just opened a bag of green grapes. Funny that I would say this. I'd prefer drink this beer out of a can. Wonderful. Sample G's coming up next. Sample G is Best Mate New Zealand Pilsner, made by our friends at North High Brewing here in Columbus, Ohio. Okay, we've just finished the seventh sample. Jamie, what do you have to say about this beer? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, if that's not a New Zealand Pilsner, I'll eat Crocodile Dundee's hat. <laughs> in my opinion, it had a lot of the attributes of uh, that type of beer. A lot of citrus fruit on the aroma. 
I'll tell you, looking at it on the table, though, if it wasn't for that nice, frothy white head, it's not a sexy-looking beer by any means. Straw color, a little bit of a haze, not what I would expect in a Pilsner. But again, the head held up through the entire session, mouthfeel, creamy, soft, uh, you know, tropical, citrusy, grassy, everything you would expect in uh, what I believe to be a New Zealand-style Pilsner. All right. What do you think, Hans? So hazy is a word I absolutely wrote. It had the most substantial head of any beer we've we've had today. It has that going for it. For some reason, I felt like this was a beer still in search of itself. Like I didn't feel it was dialed in to know who it was necessarily. And maybe it's the fact you know you're suggesting that um, it might be a Southern Hemisphere type of beer. But um, you said creamy, and that's absolutely something that I felt. Some of the ones we've had today have that creaminess, and, and some don't, and and uh, this totally did. It almost had like a soapiness to it, and it could have been also how much bubbles there were that were staying there, which I loved, and to see a nice billowy white head is great, but when that same appearance goes to the bottom of the glass, not a Pilsner for me, so I'm out on that. Kind of a really bright, citrusy character. If somebody told me that was their version of like a hoppy session IPA, I'd drink it and say that's pretty good. Interesting. All right, Pat, what do you have to say? I want to say, for me, the best way to describe it is this would be the most rustic beer that we've had yet. I was trying to find the words to describe the aroma and the taste, and I was coming up with things like, hey... Yeah, it was not obviously citrusy, so I'll be really interested to see what this beer is when we do the reveal. All right, let's head into number eight, huh? Right on. As we continue through our Pilsners, we turn to Prima Pils, brewed by Victory in Downington, Pennsylvania. This is made with whole flower European hops in the German style and fine German malts. Let's hear what the judges have to say. Okay, everybody has finished their eighth sample, and Hans, you're lead off on this beer. So let's hear what you have to say about it. So when I stuck my nose in the glass of this beer, I felt like the aroma was like bright. I don't think this beer was bone dry. I think there was some residual sweetness that bolstered a fair malt character that you experienced like through the whole swallow. But I would also call this beer mild. Like it didn't have a predominant hop character. It didn't have a strong um, hop finish, a real strong period at the end of the sentence on this beer at all. And that's something that I felt was lacking a little bit. I could have used slightly more carbonation. It did have some creaminess to the mouthfeel. Some of the beers we've had today have and some haven't. But we'll see what you guys think. Interesting. What did you think, Mark? I would also say it was very bright. Bright, citrusy, fruity, spicy, as it warmed up, I was getting more and more fruit on the nose. And then also, it was a nice balance of bitter and sweet in the finish. But at the same time, it didn't just jerk you with bitterness either. It didn't like end, as Hans Hoyt says, with a period. I'd be curious once again to see what it is, because I'm not sure I was leaning toward this might even be a German Pilsner, but who knows. We're eight beers in. You've got a lot of data here that you're trying to beat. You know, each one, you're almost comparing it to the last few you've drank. Sure. Yeah, your taste buds and your brain are processing a lot of things. Yeah, what do you think, Jamie? Yeah, that's where I fall in the uh, German Pils category. I like the balance of it. Definitely a beer I could drink a lot of very easy. Good balance all the way through. Yeah, really uh, a nice balance. 
my final comment was I could drink a lot of these beers too. So <laughs> I'm not an official judge. But. <laughs> we're getting close to the end and we're turning to Scrimshaw Pilsner made by North Coast Brewing Company in Fort Bragg, California. Scrimshaw was brewed using Munich malt, Haller Tower, and Tetning hops. Okay, we've tasted the uh, ninth sample. So, Mark, start off. What do you think? On this one in particular, my initial smell was kind of like a honey-like aroma, bread, kind of a floral aroma, and some kind of indiscernible fruitiness to me. Uh, this one, though, on appearance, if I could give it a four, I would. It was a good, rich gold, fluffy staying head. Uh, if anything, this just excelled in beauty. The balance kind of leaned to the malt side for me, but not in a super full way, I would say. Carbonation was nice, pretty light body. That's my impression of this. Yeah, I echo a lot of what you just said there. I think for sure it's the most gorgeous beer that we've seen so far this afternoon. You know, So the appearance was uh, A+, plus, but it was a little hard to pin down the flavors. You know, when I was talking about the aroma and the taste, I had kind of neutral, bready, leaning malt sweetness. Maybe the honey, that might be a good way to put it. It had a reasonable amount of hops, but it wasn't very easy to say what the hop character is. Not as spicy as some of them have been. It was nicely balanced, and so I think a very good beer, but I would like to see just a little more pop on some of the flavors. Yeah, I thought it was yeah one of the best-looking beers of the day. That The color was nice, clarity, nice head on it. And I did get the honey. It was the first I had gotten that today, so I really liked uh, that coming across. So it, it set the beer apart for me. Under aroma, which is our first category, honey aroma. Like we are in full agreement. This was all of our experience. In appearance and in aroma and somewhat in the body of this beer, this is the closest beer to Pilsner or Coil that we might have tasted today. So you guys said that you really like the appearance of it. This has a richer color than anything we've had today. So I get why you have that reaction. But we're in agreement with that initial first sense of looking and smelling this beer. Like we got a very similar experience, which I think is good considering how far into the tasting we are today. Well, we have finally come to the 10th and final beer. It's been a little bit of a haul, but we've saved a good one for last from the Columbus Brewing Company there, Pils, a German style Pilsner. Brewed by Columbus Brewing Company, Columbus, Ohio. All right, for this uh, final beer, we're going to start with Pat Woodward. Pat. Well, we finally made it to the end, and for my palate and everything else, it's probably just in time. You know, I enjoyed this beer a lot. I think in the aroma and the flavor, you know, malt character that I would describe neither as crackery nor as caramely, so kind of bready, neutral malt character. And the hops were, to me, you know, leaning more toward the fruit flavors, but in a kind of a subtle way. So there was a citrus lime thing that came out to me the more I drank it. I mean, at first I had to recalibrate my palate, but by the time I got to the end, I'm like, okay, yeah, I think there's definitely a citrus note in there. I think it's a crusher. I mean, I could drink a lot of these in the summer. It was very refreshing, very clean. Yeah, a nice beer. Yeah, great. Jamie, what'd you think? I had some similar thoughts. The, uh, you know, I'm on my 10th tasting, but the aroma, I, I just, I, I kept getting this like suntan lotion aroma and 
I, I it just could be a worn out palette at this point, but um, they have beaches in New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this beer might have you know IBUs and SPF. You know. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's hear what Hans has to say. In the aroma, I got some grassiness, um, which we've had on many of the beers we had today. I felt it, it was fairly mild. It had not an assertive hop bitterness as far as the bittering hops go. Mouthfeel, though, this of all the beers we had today, there were beers that were, had this creamy mouthfeel and beers that did not. Like, for whatever reason, like that was a line and this one i felt had that creaminess i wrote the word drinkable with an exclamation point like I, I have that feel for this beer like yeah you could totally sit and drink three of these and it would be lovely you know i think you got something there hans with the protein feel to the mouth feel uh really bright hops and that kind of stayed with it but like you said pretty balanced so yeah all right well we've gotten through all 10 samples we're going to do some calculating here and see where we go Welcome back, everybody. So following the blind taste test of these 10 samples, we have lifted the four beers that were ranked the highest by each judge. Mark ranked sample E as his highest, Pat sample D, Jamie sample H, and Hans sample F. They have been tasting these uh, side by side and uh, have a little discussion. Well, I have to say... We did take a break. We had some dinner, and we returned to the beers. Thank God. But it is still a really hard choice. When I looked at all these beers, you know, you could not tell them apart visually. They're all very clear, and, you know, it was hard. I did feel of all these beers that beer E was the maltiest. Yep, did you guys I agree with that? totally agree with that. I got D as the most citrus forward, probably. Yeah, I got to agree with that. F is just a nice blend of everything, I think. If I could say good things about it, it's really well balanced. I will be really interested to see, once these are tallied, how they're placed. It doesn't surprise me, you know, sitting around a table with experienced Pilsner drinkers, that the top four did come out looking very similar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the outliers got cold out of the process, right? That's exactly right. It also strikes me how difficult this process is because we had really good beers and as, you know, Hans, you've said a few times, just very subtle differences. But maybe we should just tally up the points and just like in golf, the one with the fewest points is the winner. Ralph? All right. I have tallied the scores from the final round of this Pilsner Challenge 2022. The four beers that were in this round, three tied for second. Let me share what those three were. We had Sample D, which was Pat's number one beer in both rounds. That is the Perennial Dry Hopped Pills. Oh, nice. First time I've ever had that beer. Me too. Same here. And when you guys were talking about it during the regular round, it was all hops to you. Yeah, yeah. And I do like Hoppy Pilsner, so it makes sense. It makes good sense. Great. Hans... Your favorite was the Bayern Pilsener. Wow. Okay. So German. (laughs) Which, should we say that Pat 
identified as a New Zealand Pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it was the one, if you remember, when I stuck my nose in the glass, I said to me, this smells German. Yeah, that's right. Like, like I, yeah. That was my one immediate reaction without any assessment. And which letter was that one around? That was F. And the third second place is H, Jamie's favorite, which was the Victory Prima Pills. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Haven't had that one in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while for me, too. I will say that one was also a pretty hoppy beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Real citrus yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. Good beer. I like it. Yes. And actually, that was my favorite as I right. drank them and ranked them. The one I said I could drink a lot of those beers. Yeah, too. right on. Mark, you chose the favorite of this tasting. Sample E, the Edison Patent Pills, Ooh. Edison Brewing, Gahanna, Ohio. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Next round at Edison's wow. on me. Yeah. One thing I'll say about that, and we talked about it just a minute ago, and it has the best malt character of the ones oh, that made it in the final round. It's yeah. so good. Sort of want to go to Edison right now. Well, <laughs> it's getting a little late, but we could uh, load up an Uber maybe. The weekend's still ahead of us. Right. What a journey we've been on this afternoon. Ralph, I can't thank you enough for stewarding and all the glass watching. You had a big job today. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. I love doing it. Yeah. Cheers to the beer steward. Oh, yeah. And cheers to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Cheers to Pilsners. Man, Pat, that was fun and hard. It was both of those things. You know, I was surprised how difficult it was to, you know, suss out the differences between the different Pilsners. But man, what a bunch of good beers. Oh, yeah. 10 might have been a little ambitious, but definitely we're not going to do this every night. And I think it was fun. I mean, there's a lot of Pilsners left out by limiting it to 10. But for our sensory, I think I was at my max. Yeah, yeah. I was struggling a little bit by the time we got to the end, but I do have to say that one of the late additions was the perennial dry hop pills, which turned out to be my favorite. So had we limited it to a smaller number like eight, it wouldn't have been in there. Oh, yeah, that was a great beer. And, you know, there were multiple beers on here. As a Pilsner drinker, I had never even had before. You can't say that about many beers in this area. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, we're drinking the winner right now. The Edison Patent Pills. You know, during the tasting, we were talking about how malty it is. And I think Jamie called it a, a malt bomb. But when you just drink it on its own, not after so many other Pilsners, it's a great Pilsner and it would not strike you as overly malty. Absolutely not. It's very balanced. It's got a nice, crisp bite at the end. It is, as we decided, of this grouping, the perfect Pilsner. You know, kudos to Victor and everyone out at Edison Brewing. This is a beer probably a lot of people haven't tried. And I'm telling you, if you like a good crispy lager, you should try it. Oh, yeah. It's not that far of a ride from the All Things Beer Studio up to Gehanna, And we are up for the ride. So if anybody else wants to join us in back catalog, go back and listen to the All Things Bach episode from June of 2021. You know, in the recap here, it would be kind of interesting to look at the scoring from a different angle. You know, we chose to move everyone's favorite beer to the final round. But Mark, what would it have looked like had we just taken, you know, the average scores of the beers? Yeah. So interestingly enough, Edison, no matter how you slice it, is still number one, which is good to know. Even in scoring, that was the maximum scoring beer. 
we can now go down to second and third and honorable mention, where before with the parallel tasting, we just had a close runner up. So I think when you look at the average scores, then the second place beer would be the Victory Prima Pills. Isn't that correct? That's right. And man, I had not had that beer in years, Pat. I'm heading right back up to Wylands to get another six pack. I mean, the great thing about that is it's a beer that is widely available. You know, you might not live in Columbus, but, you know, all over the Midwest, I'm sure you can get that beer. Now, what about the third place beer? Third place beer, Pat, we have Land Grant's Pool Party Pilsner. Yeah. You know, in fact, that beer was the number two beer for both of us and Hans. So three of us had that in the top two. Yeah, that's great. It's such a good beer. It's so well balanced, too. As we've said already... The Edison skews a little bit malty in this lineup. The Prima goes a little bit hoppy, and the Pooh Party is just right down the middle. It's like the mama bear of great Pilsners. Yeah, it splits the difference really well. And I don't know, it could have easily been my favorite had I not had the Edison. I was just so impressed with that malt character. It was really interesting to hear my own thoughts on that. And it read the same way I would have described it to a customer at Land Grant. Yeah, you know, the thing that's interesting about Pool Party to me is how similar the taste was to a traditional Pilsner, even though all Southern Hemisphere hops. Man, such a great summer beer. Absolutely. So coming in with an honorable mention, the perennial Dry Hop Pils. Great beer. Another great beer. Yeah, I... Don't have to say too much more because it was my favorite, but just the hop character was excellent on that beer. I'm glad I know about that beer now. Yeah, if anybody liked what we did here today, enjoyed this podcast, and would like to see us do another blind tasting face-off, give us a suggestion. Also, we've been thinking about doing a mailbag episode. If you've got any questions for us, if you've got anything you would like us to explore in the world of all things beer, hit us up at All Things Beer Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and then also at All Things Beer Podcast at gmail.com. And there's also the Pat's Pints social media where you can send in things. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And any of those avenues would work, but it could be anything from explaining what it takes to be a Trappist brewery to asking Mark what's his favorite hazy IPA. Yeah, that'd be an easy question for me. It would be a Pilsner, Pat. <laughs> well, to that, I say cheers, Pat. It sure is fun to drink what we decided was the best Pilsner in the room at the tasting. Prost. <laughs>